My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Our Sunday School. Glad you guys are with us this morning. We're in Philippians chapter 1, moving into our next pericope, uh, verses 3 through 11, Thanksgiving and Prayer. Um, again, please don't do the math to extrapolate how long this series will take at this point. Um, I put a tentative, like, wild guess on the, our Sunday School page, on the studies uh, page, and uh, it keeps bumping out just a little bit, so... We'll be done when we're done. I'll just say that. Or not. Maybe Jesus comes back and we don't finish, which would be even even better. Which is a weird thing to say, but I do believe it. So uh, let's read through uh, Philippians chapter 1, and uh, then we will take a look starting at verse 3 with some of the words. So Philippians chapter 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you, because I have you in my heart, and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment, so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me, To live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me. And I don't know which one I should choose. I am torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Since I am persuaded of this, 
I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. Just one thing, as citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or am absent, I will hear about you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel, not being frightened in any way by your opponents. This is a sign of destruction for them, but of your salvation, and this is from God. For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are engaged in the same struggle that I saw you had, that you saw I had, and now hear that I have. Philippians chapter 1. It amazes me how often I read the whole thing, and I think I got it word perfect until the last sentence. It's like, ah, okay. Life goals. There you go. So good morning to those of you online. Appreciate y'all being with us this morning. Uh, but this morning we're picking up with verse, uh, can we go to the next slide there, Dave? Uh, in the green book, we are starting on page 24 today. Uh, so just a quick question. Are the green books holding up okay? They're not like breaking down, like it's, it's working so far. All right. In about a month or two, I'm going to start asking for feedback on, all right, so before we print volume two and all the other, like or part two and all the other volumes, what structural or formatting changes do we need to make, keeping in mind that if I make the line spacing any larger, we're going to have 17 volumes for Philippians. So, like, there are, <laughs> there are get, puts and takes for all of these little things, so there's that. All right, so glad to hear that. So verse 3, we're picking up today this Thanksgiving and prayer. So just a, a quick recap. So last week and the week before, we looked at uh, verses 1 and 2. Um, and, and one of the things that I really wanted you to take away from it is that there was a structure to first century letters. And what, so just here's our pop quiz, what did Paul do with that structure? He put Christ in every single part of it, right? So we're going to talk about God. We're going to talk about God. We're going to talk about God. Here we go. All right. Now, you might be interested to know, uh, let's go to the next uh, phrase, next slide here, Dave. So we've got today's text. I think we'll probably get through maybe a little bit of verse 5. We'll see. You know, who knows, right? Um, so he starts off and he says, I give thanks to my God. And one of the interesting things about this little sentence is this is also part of a structure, part of a format that was typical in a first century Roman letter, is that you would thank the gods. So, pop quiz number two today. Um, who was the most popular god at that time in Philippi? The most popular god at that time in Philippi. Who got worshipped more than anybody else? Caesar. Caesar is Lord. Right. So, we talked about last week how when Paul in verse 2 says that Jesus Christ our Lord, political statement, religious statement, we got it all going on right here. So when Paul then says, I give thanks to my God, again, he takes this format, he takes this structure, and he puts God into it as much as possible. Um, a typical Roman letter would have said, would have sounded something like this if you didn't have uh, God in the mix. Paul, Philippians, uh, greetings, uh, 
I think, and then he would insert some God that would relate to the content of the letter that he's going to address. Now, the interesting thing here is that the Romans believed in lots and lots and lots and lots of gods. Now, they weren't, they weren't technically like, what's the, what's the word for everything's a god? What was that? I don't know. But you, you guys are familiar with religions where, is it pantheism? I feel like there's one, even one step, like pantheism, you got a bunch, but there's one where, like, the mic stand's a god, and the phone's a god, and the Bible, you know, you're like, that's a lot to keep up with. Like, the Romans weren't that, but they had a whole lot of stuff going on. So you could pick and choose and basically be like, oh, okay. You kind of use the god that was handy for the time for the message that you wanted to deliver. And Paul didn't really have, like, that wasn't an option for him, <laughs> right? I mean, he, he had one that he obeyed, and, uh, and it was important for him. So, all right, so let's take a look at uh, verse 3 here. So I give thanks to my God for every remembrance. We'll just read through this uh, pericope real quick. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for... And if you're on page 25, just underline the alls here for just a second, if you would. I, th I think it'll... He's going to start... Um, He's going to start beating this drumbeat just a little bit here. I'm always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and then a defense and confirmation of the gospel. Verse 8, For God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior, may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So you see how he just, he slides this in, and he slides this in, and he slides this in. Because what's he going to deal with in chapter 4? May remember? We've got some personal conflict we've got to deal with in chapter 4. And again, this is, not, um, this is not the Corinthian church, right? You read through Corinthians, and you go, oh my gosh. Like what? You're, you are rounding up to call the group of people that does those activities Christians. Like you are rounding up considerably. Um, they, they, would, they would be looked down upon in polite southern culture, right? <laughs> um, and that's really not what's going on with the, the Philippians. The Philippians need, they need some tweaking with some internal relationships. They need some encouragement. They need some reminders about Jesus and the gospel. But it's not a, you know, you've abandoned the whole concept of what's going on. And then in verse 9, and I don't know if anybody's ever done this for you, but some of you actually in here do this for me, and I think it's fantastic, and I just wanted to call you out and say thank you for that. And thank you for mimicking something that the Holy Spirit does through Paul. Uh, in verses 9, 10, and 11, um, like, actually, I think we're behind on the slides here, Dave. Can you go forward to slide 7? Uh, Paul lets his readers listen in on his prayers and thanksgiving of intercession for them. Like, it's actually okay to pray for somebody and to tell that person what you prayed for them for. That was too many prepositions, but you get it. 
Does that make sense? Like, yeah, just we can share our prayers with each other. That's good. That's helpful. That's encouraging. Like, oh, wow, I know exactly what you're praying for. Um, I had a dear sister probably 15 years ago. I was teaching a Sunday school class, and she, she sent me an email later that week. Hey, I'm praying for you for this thing that you described. And I had either miscommunicated it or she had misheard, but we had a wild disconnect in what she was praying for. And it was actually almost the exact opposite of what I was asking prayer for. And I was like, oh, thank you so much for writing that down. We need to get aligned on that because that's actually not what we were looking to have happen. We were looking for this opposite. And she was like, oh, well, this is great. I'm glad I wrote it down. So this, verses 9, 10, and 11, they reminded me of, you know, these folks that, that send you prayers and, and it's good. So a couple of, uh, of applications. We can go to the next slide, Dave. A uh, couple of applications and personalizations here. Uh, so application number one, so Paul fills the format with God, right? Paul fills the format with God. So what do we do with that? We should be filling our speech with God, right? Sure, use the format of the day, that's fine, but... Uh, Stuff it filled with the Lord. Um, two, application number two, Paul saw the saints in Philippi as a united whole, a unified whole. So Paul saw the saints in Philippi as a unified whole centered around Jesus. <clears throat> yes, he will call some of them out later, but he sets them up as a cohesive group because this is the foundation that we're going to work off of. Churches are primarily not groups, or, let me say this a different way. Churches are, are not primarily individuals that make a group. Churches are primarily a group that is covenanted together individually to serve the Lord. The focus in the New Testament is not on the individual. It is always on the group. The individual focus comes after the group focus has been defined. Does this make sense? And we tend to think the exact opposite because hyper-individualism, this is our age, right? I mean, this is the, everything is always about the individual. Um, you know, for years growing up in church, I heard uh, pastors rail on Burger King the whole you-can-have-it-your-way philosophy, not knowing that that would then be the foundation for all of my kids' experience growing up. Like, everything about everything is customized. Every app you pull up on your phone, you can customize the colors, you can customize the font, you can customize the interface, you can customize the this, and it's like, well, you can get it exactly like you want. And I'm not saying that's bad, I'm just saying there's a hyper-focus on individualism that Paul is going to push against and it's going to feel a little weird to us hearing that and hearing that emphasis. So just kind of keep that in our heads as we go through. So application number two, so Paul saw the saints in Philippi as a unified whole centered around Jesus. So personalization, our church should be unified around Jesus. Our church should be unified around Jesus. Again, there might be a lot of different things that we have in common, but that is, and I love Brian's phrase, the commonality of Christ. Um, It's a really, really nice phrase. 
And then application number three, Paul shared his prayers. So what do we do with that? We can share our prayers with the recipients. Encourage each other. Build each other up by telling each other what we are praying for. All right. So let's take a look at some individual words. I'm on page 26. So verse 3, I give thanks. The first word in this uh, section is just a verb. Uh, It's a first singular verb. So even though Timothy is a co-sender, all of these first singular verbs and first singular uh, pronouns let us know that the, the vast, vast, vast majority of this content is coming from Paul individually. So the Spirit working through Paul individually, not Timothy. So I give thanks to my God. Now, could Paul have listed the name of God here? Sure, yeah. Would Paul have been educated on many of the names of God? Paul would have been educated on all the names of God, like every single one. Our working assumption for Paul is that he had the entire Old Testament memorized and could recall it at any point. Like, so that's our, that's our baseline working assumption. So if you've got somebody, and just think, like, how nuts is that, right? <laughs> it's crazy. But he doesn't list all of God's names. And I'm not saying it's wrong to study those or know those. He's just making this very personal for them. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you. So I give thanks to my God. Um, So did you hear in verses 3 through 11, Paul praying for himself? Did you hear Paul sharing prayer requests? What does he start with? Jesus, 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 I'm praying for you guys, and this is what I'm praying for you. Now, is there anything wrong with sharing prayer requests? No, Paul's going to do that later on. He's going to ask for prayer for Epaphroditus. He's going to ask for prayer for the gospel to go forth. He's going to ask for prayer for lots of different things. But where is Paul? He's in jail. He's in house arrest, and he's confined. And I got to tell you, if you have ever corresponded with an inmate, I have. I've had a couple of friends that have gone uh, to jail or to prison. And uh, what typically starts the letters is not, hey, Jim, I'm praying for you. It's, here's how I need you to pray for me. And I, I, I've always thought that is just super logical. I've got a friend in jail. I want to know how to pray for him. I don't know what to send him. I don't know what you need. And it's like, okay. Had a buddy one time that was in uh, jail for a while, and he needed quarters. I was like, quarters? What do you mean? He's like, well, they don't feed me enough. I need quarters at the vending machine because I'm starving all day. I go, oh, I'd have never thought about that. He's like, okay, let's send you rolls of quarters. It's kind of strange, but okay, we can figure that out. Um, but that's not what Paul comes at. Paul, our, our application number one at the bottom of page 26 here, Paul prayed more for others than for himself. He prayed more for others than for himself. So what do we do with that? What do you think? Pray more for others than ourselves. Yeah, this is, some of these are like 
We'll get into the complicated ones later. He's clearing the deck of all the easy stuff first. So. And then don't miss the fact that um, <laughs> I give thanks to my God. Is that a singular or is that a plural? That's a singular. So what is Paul saying about all the Roman gods? They're not his God. <laughs> They're not his God, right? Paul is saying, application number two here, that Yahweh is God. That Yahweh is God. If you don't know how to spell Yahweh, Y-H-V-H is probably the most biblical way to spell it. Just don't worry about the vowels. <laughs> right, Thesa? Yes. And we'll talk about the Tetragrammaton later. So what do we do with that? Well, I would say ensure Yahweh is our God. And if he's not, like if you're, I don't know who's watching online, because there's a bunch of people that watch this online, and I, have, I never have any idea who it is. I know some of you are, because you self-identified, so thank you for that, and I get to pray for you that way. Thank you. Um, but if Yahweh is not your God, like, stop now. We need to deal with that. The rest of, um, the, <laughs> the rest of Philippians will not make any sense whatsoever. Sean just sent me a text and said, if I hadn't said it before, thanks for the quarters. At least I saw this one, right? I was, it was like at the corner of my eye. I was like, hey, it moved. That's great. Uh, uh, this is awesome. All right, so I give thanks to my God. Like, here's what happens when we read Scripture too quickly. We miss over the fact that we transition from Paul and Timothy to just Paul. We miss over the fact that Paul's made this personal. We miss over the fact that Paul's talking about one true God, and that's his God. We miss over the fact that He's discounting and really debasing all of these other gods, lowercase g, and elevating who Yahweh is. So he gives thanks to my God for every remembrance of you. Now, does Paul thank the Philippians for remembering the Philippians? Who does Paul thank? It's in the text. He thanks God. We have this weird habit in Christian circles where we tell somebody, hey, Dave, thank you for that thing. And I don't think that's wrong. But there's a whole other level of appreciation. Dave, I thank God for you. Oh, and I, I do, actually. <laughs> and you, 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 and you. I didn't go in order, and that was weird, so... <laughs> There we go. I was like, oh, no, I've jumped around. I'm going to forget somebody. And those of you online, too, yay, we got everybody. I may need to do it again just to double check, right? This is, yes, there we go. Um, but the predominant means of thanks in the New Testament is not directed at the person that is responsible. I mean, uh, I'm having a John Pike moment here. The predominant means of thanks in the New Testament is not directed at the person who, who uh, acted out the act. It is directed at God who provided for, sustained, guided, led, directed, empowered, uh, skilled, provided the, the fruits of the Spirit in order for that act to be accomplished, which is a whole different way to recognize the source as opposed to the output of a thing. Right? So don't miss over that Paul's doing that too. All right, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you. 
Now, if you will look, so if you've got a CSB, you'll notice there's a little uh, a footnote at the end of uh, verse 3. Uh, I believe, and this was wicked hard, so that's my Sean McGarvey joke there. Um, I believe that I have been consistent with the footnote lettering in the green book with the footnote lettering in an actual CSB so that you can kind of go back and forth if you have a hard copy. If, if I have gotten off anywhere, please let me know, but I tried to check this as we went through. So footnote A says, or for your every remembrance of me. Now, many times in footnotes, you'll find like one word different or a different word order. It, Sh Shanda, is this that? Like, no, this, they were like, whoop, hang on now. This seems like a whole different thing. Yes, all right, so here's where this is coming in. The word order implies what you have written in your CSB is what Paul wrote. There are ways to interpret the grammar with direct objects, indirect objects, uh, genitive, dative, different cases where this alternate rendering in your footnote could be correct. And what I will say is that I read way too much about this this week. It was at least 150 pages just on which way do you go here. And the predominant theme is that we should feel very good about the way the CSB has rendered it, and yet at the same time we should not put a theological stranglehold on we are 100% confident that that is correct. We should like hold this one kind of lightly that there's a, there's a possibility that this other way is, is, is uh, what Paul intended. Um, however, the order that he puts this in, that we have it in the CSB, is very consistent with the context and the direction of the rest of this section of Scripture. It is, it is Paul to the Philippians. It is Paul to the Philippians. It is very consistent that way. Now, if you have ever wondered, well, like, how do translators, when they're sitting in a room, figure this out? They have discussions, and they talk about the words. They talk about the grammar. They talk about the context. They talk about, is this consistent with how Paul has used these words in other New Testament letters? Like, there's a couple spots in Thessalonians and Romans where there's very similar language here, and it's really clear that Paul is wording it in a way that is consistent with how it's shown in the CSB. You're like, okay, so the, it's called the Pauline corpus. It's all of his collected works in the New Testament. You study all of those together, not just one individual letter out of it. So if you thought what we do on Sunday mornings is complicated, no. <laughs> it is actually not. What we are doing on Sunday morning is solving one side of a Rubik's Cube. What the people who translate the Bible from the original languages into our language are doing is they are, they are solving all sides of a Rubik's Cube at the same time to try to make sure the whole thing is internally consistent. So I thank God that there are people who are intellectually brilliant enough to do that and do it well and when they're not 100% sure, we'll put a little footnote and say, you know what, there's another way to look at this. I really like the transparency there. Like, just show me your cards. There was some discussion. There was some debate. And they actually debate. Uh, I read several articles about uh, how things are debated to get footnotes in translations. 
right? Because you can't put every footnote in there, otherwise it's just going to be footnotes, there's not going to be text. So lots of fun stuff about this. All right, so I believe it is Paul's remembrance of them. So, so for every remembrance or recollection of you. <clears throat> now, there's a way to translate, there's a way to translate verse 4 that implies that Paul never stopped praying. Like, his entirety of consciousness was praying for the Philippians. I think we can agree that is not going to be what Paul intended here. When he thought about them, he thanked God for them and prayed for them. So it was a, oh, it comes to mind, I thank God, I pray for you. You come to mind, I thank God, I pray for you. You come to mind, I thank God, I pray for you. Excellent. That, that is a wonderful approach to use. <clears throat> so an application here on page 27. Uh, prayer can be thanking God for memories of believers. Prayer can be thanking God for memories of believers. So prayer can be thanking God for memories of believers. So what do we do with that? I think we remember believers in places we've been and thank God for them. Remember believers in places we've been and thank God for them. So something I don't do in Sunday school very often is give us an opportunity in the moment to practice a thing. I want to just take a second and give us a minute to think through, like, where did your walk with the Lord begin? Who was the person that invested and poured Jesus into your life? Who was the person that came along and watered that investment and regularly called you to repentance and faith in the gospel? Who was the person that nourished you and fed you and supported and encouraged? Like, thank God for those people. That's awesome. Like, this is a work of the Lord to bring us to a place of repentance and faith so that we can actually follow Jesus as we should. This is a miracle. So let's just take a minute and think about those folks and thank God for them. I'm struck by the variety of people, right? It wasn't just like one category or class or type or gender or age or race. Or, I mean, it was just like, holy cow. Just, he went to a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of effort that God puts into redeeming his people. It's a beautiful thing. So Paul thanks God for every remembrance uh, of you. Verse 4, always, so this means at all times. Uh, there's a word that's not translated in English. Uh, it's the word making. So this uh, poeo, this verb at the bottom of page 27, always making, and then the word prayer is actually a noun. So if you wanted to literally translate it, it would be always making prayer, which is way too wooden and stiff. We just say always praying. It sounds a lot better in English. It's true to the original. It makes a lot of sense. It's well translated. The trick is it's a middle 
It's a middle tent. It's, it's a, uh, this is why I wrote this down. It's all in one book now. I'm so excited. <laughs> when I forget what the word is. It's a middle voice verb. And a middle voice verb, this making, is when the subject performs the action in a way that affects the subject. So Paul is praying in a way that impacts Paul. This is not a, like, yeah, 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 okay, whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm getting done, I'm getting done, I'm getting done, I'm getting done. It's all right. he's, he's praying in a way that is impacting him. It feels like he's invested. It feels like he's taking this personally, and I think he is. So application number two, prayer can impact the person praying. I wanted to say the prayer, but it's spelled the same way as, the same way as prayer, and it made no sense when I read it out loud. So prayer can impact the person praying. We'll, we'll say it that way. Probably a more eloquent way to say it. And I have no idea what a personalization for that would be. The same? We'll go with that. But this is the kind of stuff that I love to find and poke at by looking at each word, right? This middle tense of a word that's not even translated in English shows us Paul's passion for his prayer for the people he's praying for. It's awesome. All right, so verse 4, always praying. <clears throat> now, this word shows up in a couple of other places in Philippians. Prayer is actually a theme in Philippians. Uh, but flip over to Philippians 4, 6. It's not in this green book. It's in volume two. So you have to actually have a Bible. In 4.6, Paul is, this is kind of the, hey, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. It's the, um, the imperative section of Philippians. He says, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, this is that same word, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So Paul's internally consistent in the letter when he says, this is what I am doing, and this is what I am instructing you to do. So there's a consistency here. It's not a like, well, I'm special because I'm Paul, because he's going to play that card. He's going to play a really big I'm special, I'm Paul card here in a, a few months. And... Uh, and yet, he's under the same uh, structure and guidelines that he's uh, preaching, which I think is fantastic. All right, so always praying with, with what? With sadness. With somberness. With a solemnity. That's my, my favorite words that I read this week. Uh, no, with joy. With joy. This is the first time joy shows up in Philippians. Uh, and what's listed there, this, uh, uh, this list in Philippians, the uh, Philippians 1, 4, 125, 2, 2, 229, and 4, 1, those are the nouns. There's also a verb for joy that shows up uh, six, eight times or so. So that's not just the, those aren't the only times joy shows up in our English translation. So with joy and what is joy, joy is just a calm delight. Joy is cheerfulness. Where is Paul again? He's in prison. And he's praying with what? With joy. Because why? He remembered the believers. 
See, joy is not externally dependent. It can be increased by external things, but it is not dependent upon our situation. Because Paul later talks about fulfill my joy. Right? You can actually increase joy by externalities, but joy is not something that, is, that comes from the external. Joy is something that is, that is inside out. Why would I say that? For the fruit of the Spirit is, is it in the list? It's in the list, yes. That's how I know it's not about circumstances. This is from the Spirit. So I pray with joy for some of you, because some of you I don't really care for. No, no, for all of you, all of you matter, all of you are important. You really got to care about a group to pray for the entire group with joy every time you think about it. Like, you find a group that you can do that with on a regular basis. You're like, uh, this, is, this is not an intellectual exercise. This is a, a help, a service from the, from the Lord to be able to accomplish this type of prayer. So we'll pause there. I'll make a big note. Stop. Uh, and we will pick up there next week. And, uh, yeah, we're not finishing this in six months. So there's that. <laughs> It'll be okay. All right, so you should have uh, an opportunity on your table to pray with joy uh, for others in our class, which I think is great. For these prayer requests, uh, Mitch Johnson texted me a prayer request this morning. Uh, they are not here this morning. And uh, he said he has had a bad reaction to a root canal. And he's in a lot of pain. So I don't, I've never had a root canal, so I, I cannot, whichever, empathize, sympathize. I don't know what that's like, but it sounds terrible. So let's make sure that we are praying for Mitch. Um, and I'm not entirely sure how you pray with joy for that, Mitch. So we're just going to pray really hard. Um, and with that, if you'll make sure that your name is on the other side, uh, my attendance taker might be back next week. We'll see. Or the week after. But uh, I'll need some help. Make sure all your names are at the bottom of the, of the page. And then you are free to go and to worship the one who is worthy, who has impacted our lives in ways that we can never accurately describe uh, but we can pray for each other with joy. So let's do that. Thanks, guys. Thanks for engaging. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and weekly email. You can subscribe to all three of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Grace and peace to you.